We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 340. Our guest today is a true test of never giving up and resiliency, especially with tough times that we all know, or many of us know, that happen with the sport. Our guest today is a 29-year-old show jumper operating out of Guardian Stables with her boyfriend, Nikki Galligan. And she was originally from Australia, but she has been living abroad in the U.S. for the last 10 years. She had a super challenging last year, losing her beloved mayor, Chikara Blue, but is more committed than ever to really pursue the highest levels of the sport. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Paige Jardine. Hi, Paige. Hey, how's it going? Going well. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm I'm so excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, So you are talking from Australia, correct? I'm actually in sunny Ocala at the moment. Oh, uh, amazing. Kind of Australia's, in my neck of the woods. Australia was home originally, but it's but it's America now. Love it. Love it. Well, I, I'm so excited to hear your full story. Tell me how you first got started in the horse world. How I first got started in the horse world goes back to Australia. My father and his brother actually had a lot of harness racing horses. Uh, and my uncle was, he was a top harness racing trainer back in Australia and so I kind of got the horse bug when I was little just kind of hanging out with them and then somehow segued into riding them instead of driving them uh and honestly it's kind of how how they say the rest is history right (laughs) that was when I was I don't know five or six I started riding uh and pretty much rode whatever I could then like our neighbor had a pony and I ended up sitting on some of the harness racing horses that were not broken to saddle so you know it it just it just kind of escalated Uh yeah you've been incredibly persistent in following your dreams and have been working really hard to make them happen obviously leaving your home in Australia when you were 18 to move to France to train why was it important for you to leave Australia to continue your career Honestly, the sport in Australia has come a long way in the last 10 years, but Mm. when I left, it wasn't that way. Uh, You had to move overseas in order to kind of continue progressing. They've done a really, really great job now. There are some some wonderful venues and some great sponsors and, you know, the Grand Prix are getting bigger and worth more money and there's more shows now. So, you know, as a young rider in Australia now, there certainly are a lot more opportunities, but 10 years ago I had, I had done kind of everything you could do at that stage. You know, I'd been on some state teams and some Australian teams as a junior. And I'd gotten to the point in the sport that it was either, okay, keep doing this for fun, um, you know, jump jump the Grand Prix at, at the agricultural shows and whatnot um, and have, have a job or make this my job. And I only ever intended to go overseas for 12 months to begin with kind of feel it out, see what I needed to do and and then come home and kind of make a plan for the rest of my life. And that was, yeah, like you said, 10 years ago. So wow. I spent I spent 12 months in France uh, with an Australian writer. Her name's Amy Graham. 
she actually took me under her wing. I guess kind of like Americans would call like a working student situation. Um, I rode for her. I worked for her. I competed some horses um, for some owners while I was there. And then my trainer in Australia, Paul Williams, his son, Matt Williams, was actually in America and said, look, you're already in Europe. You're, you know, you've already got your bags packed. Why don't you come and see America for a little while? And I flew from Paris to Miami. I got off a plane at about 5 a.m. in Miami. I interviewed with Peter Leone at eight o'clock that morning and I managed his barn of 30 something jumper hunter equitation horses at a 12 ring horse show that I'd never been to in my mm, life. Yeah. So wow. it was very much a sink or swim uh, when I got here. And yeah, it's, it's, it's not been smooth sailing, but it's been kind of one door closes, another one kind sure. of somewhat gets kicked down by me and I just mm. stayed persistent with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's how I, I started here and I, I came over and I loved it and I loved the, the sport and the people and the opportunities and, you know, like the, there is no end to the road here. You can just keep going. You can right. just aim higher and push harder and, you know, there's there's always more to be achieved here. Yeah, definitely. Well, I know that this last year has been full of challenges for you, but most notably the loss of your mayor. Couldn't, I, I can't imagine, must have been so challenging for you. What what has that experience been like and yeah, how are you moving through a loss like that? So it actually, I lost my first horse when I was, I think I must have been 16 at the time. I had We had bought him as a, a four-year-old Uh, maybe he was five actually it's no longer now I don't remember and he jumped Grand Prix in Australia as an eight-year-old for me and he was really really going to be something special for me and we lost him uh, to colic as well I went to the barn one morning and found him so that was quite traumatizing as a like I said I want to say I was around 16 so that was kind of my first unimaginable setback in the sport and I I kept going and I I mean don't get me wrong I locked myself in my room and I cried for a month and didn't eat and you know all of the things you do when you're going through that kind of grief but I I got back on the on a horse and I kept going and I ended up here and then I Chikara that horse that I had she came into my life at a time that I was a little bit struggling um with with which direction I was going to go I didn't have any horses underneath me I couldn't get my hands on anything I I come from a very supportive family but not a wealthy family by any means so you know I've kind of had to buy problem horses or young horses or you know ones that need maintenance and managing and that type of thing over Mm -hmm. the years and I just I didn't have anything and I couldn't find anything and when she got offered to me the intention was for her to be a stepping stone almost that I had I didn't pay a lot of money for her and the plan was that I would turn her into a, you know, worst case scenario, a nice medium amateur horse, sell her for a little bit more and then have a bit of money to be able to go and buy something to jump bigger on. And so she came to us as a, a seven or eight year old, a seven year old, I think she was, um, and just really, really progressed wonderfully. Uh, she jumped to 145 at the Hamptons as an eight year old. Uh, she jumped some 150s um, at the beginning of last year as a nine-year-old. I got accepted into a five-star with her in the middle of July last year. 
that morning I got the email was one of the best days of my life. Hmm. Um, my my boyfriend Nikki Galligan and I we celebrated and had some champagne and and then two or three hours later we were in the colic in the in the clinic rather um, and she she had colicked um, and wow. they said look the only chance she has is if we is if we open her up and do surgery and they opened her up and there was nothing they could do. Oh so that like that in itself was a roller coaster of a day, but it was all of a sudden like, here we are again, back to the drawing board. I'm so close. I have this wonderful horse underneath me that I've, you know, like there's a part of me that, yeah, I'm lucky to have found her. But at the same time, like, you know, you work so hard to get to a certain spot with a talented horse like that. And you're finally ready to, to reap the rewards and do everything you've always dreamt of. And then the rug gets pulled out from underneath you it's it's certainly uh certainly not what anyone hopes for or wishes upon anyone or no. that type of thing right and it's not often that we find a partner that's so well aligned with you know our riding goals and the ability to really bring these goals to life do you, do you feel like you know kind of inevitably your goals changed after losing her what was your relationship like with the sport in general after this loss Initially, after the loss, it was, I, I can't do this anymore. I have absolutely, yeah. I have hit enough roadblocks. I have had the universe tell me in a hundred different ways that I'm not cut out for this and I shouldn't do it. And, you know, it, it's it's not something um, that I should continue to pursue. And then, honestly, I don't really know what happened inside me. Uh, Nikki got sent a video of a horse. He got a phone call from a good friend of ours, Neil Jones. Neil said, listen, I have this horse in the barn. I think you'd do a really good job with it. She's a great horse, but she's a little quirky. Um, you know, think about it, talk to Paige, let me know if you guys want to take her on. And I watched the video of her and a, a little quirky is understatement of the century. <laughs> um, but I all of a sudden was like, wait, like I want this horse. I want to ride it. Like she's, she's weird and special and does everything that you don't want a horse to do. She swaps a lead, she throws her head, she doesn't stay on the track, but she gets to the jumps and she just explodes. Like, well, I want it. Um, And so I, I called Neil, um, I called Neil and I said, listen, I haven't got a lot of money, um, but I also have nothing to ride. I appealed to his softer side, which for the record, a lot of people say he doesn't have, but I promise you he does. Mm. Um, and he said, look, I, I'll sell you half the horse. He said, I can't, I can't sell you a horse for that much money, but sure, I'll, I'll sell you half the horse. And so I, I bought half of her and I, I rode her for probably a month. And then I called him back and I said, how much do I have to give you for the other half? Because I, I cannot cannot have this horse disappear out from underneath me yeah. I cannot have anything happen to her there's been enough go wrong right. um and yeah my parents my parents helped me and uh sold a few things <laughs> kind of, mm-hmm. you know made it happen and, and we got her bought uh and then yeah and then she jumped she just kept progressing for me she jumped some ranking classes in California this winter and um then she stepped up again and jumped some from three star Grand Prix she's been so consistent and so wonderful for me um she just keeps getting better and better every time she goes in the ring and I I really felt like when I was buying her I knew I had a challenge ahead of me but it's 
all progressed a lot quicker than I ever anticipated. Mm, yeah. uh, and it's, it's results like that, that that keep you motivated on the rough days. Definitely. I am so excited to talk about this brand. They are brand new and they have nano CBD products for cats, dogs, horses, but also for us equestrians. The CEO started really with having chronic back pain and was trying to find ways to relieve that and still be able to ride and feel good in the saddle. As you may or may not know, CBD can really help with pain, inflammation, anxiety, and stress, which I would say at times all of us have. So these products are really, really incredible. You can get a sample kit, which really gives the the full spectrum of products, which I really like. I've been through two now. And the sample box includes the Relief Muscle and Joint Gel, which is like a roll-on gel, and it has a thousand milligrams of CBD per ounce. But what I really love are their Riders Relief Vegan Gummies. It's like a 30 count pack and you you know can decide up to 25 milligrams to 50 milligrams and um, really just as a is a good way with less calories and less sugar but a good amount of CBD um, they also have dog treats and more muscle and joint relief so they really do have some incredible products that are specifically catered to horses dogs cats but also equestrians um, with the owner Emily being an equestrian herself so I really really highly recommend this product it is Riders Relief so for more information they are just launching and really took the time to launch um, to really come out with some clean and really effective products so for more information visit their website at ridersrelief.com that's r-i-d-e-r-s relief.com through this loss, what's one of the most like, important lessons you feel like you've learned? Jeez, it's hard. Honestly, Bethany, it's hard to pinpoint one. It's it's unfortunate that it takes bad things like this I to know. realize, you know, the, the people you have in your corner and to realize how wonderful everything else is. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's as cliche as it is, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. I seems, know. you know, seems to be kind of the the pinnacle of it but but even when you go through something terrible like that and everyone kind of rallies around you and supports you and helps you mm-hmm. like that restores your faith in humanity a little bit you know and right to have people around you that might not necessarily be able to give you what you need in that moment like nobody said to me hey here's another five-star grand prix horse to replace her sure but, yeah you know but um but to have Nikki there and, and support me through it. And even like our, our friends and our clients that we had in New York at the time and, you know, my family and Neil, like to go through something terrible and still have everybody around you want to help you and want, want to push for you when you can't push makes you realize how incredibly lucky you are. Definitely. Even in such a terrible situation where you feel like the whole world is against you. To, to have that restored by the people around you, I, I think is, is something that, that we take for granted. You know, we, yeah. we take for granted until something does go wrong. Yeah. Well, since then, you've developed a relationship with a new horse, Crazy. Crazy, um, yes. <laughs> you're working on your partnership with her. Like, how is she different from horses you've worked with before? She's different 
she's not I guess she's not different in the sense that look at the end of the day it's it's all the same skill set right it's it's all the same you know it's it's the aids it's the partnership it's the uh, it's the weight when you pull on the reins and move off your leg when you put it on you know a lot of that is the same she's a little challenging in the sense that she is incredibly awkward in the mouth like incredibly awkward in the mouth she has so much power and so much push that it gets a little lost it's not just it's not uh you know it's not the hind end to into the bridle pushing and then that's it you're connected it's that the hind end pushes into the bridle but then one part of her neck goes one way and her, her shoulders go the other yeah. way and she genuinely just has a lot of power that you kind of you know it's like a cartoon character like spinning the wheels and going four or five mm-hmm. different directions before they take off that's a little what she's like and she's always been I mean, from from the videos I've seen of her in the past, she's always been asked to conform in a certain way. And it's almost, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's almost traumatized her in the sense that now she just wants to fight. Hmm. So a lot of it in the beginning was, all right, I'm not going to do that to you because I physically can't. I'm I'm just going to kind of let you tell me which direction you want this to go. And then the challenge was, you know, building that relationship and establishing the trust and starting to gradually turn the screw and, and ask her to conform in a way that she thought was her idea, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. That's um, key with a lot of mayors, I feel like. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it? Um, yeah. So she, that the challenge for her was, was for, for her to understand kind of what her body could do mm-hmm. and then find, finding a way that, that she would let me help her. Um, right because there is genuinely just so much raw power in her that she doesn't know what to do with it and then the brain gets a little busy sometimes she she loves her job she really does love her job but it certainly makes it difficult when you're trying to get her down to a big jump and she wants to leave out three strides and I have other ideas yeah uh, you recently competed in your first nation's cup with crazy stepping up after um, filling in for your Australian teammate who couldn't attend. Um, it wasn't necessarily the performance you may have hoped for, but I'm sure you're still walking away with more lessons learned. What are you kind of working on now after that performance to be ready next time you're called to ride for your country or, you know, a big venue or a big event like that? That's, I guess, a little challenging to answer because, again, there's so many ways to answer it. I think when we went to Thunderbird, the plan was for me to always go as reserve, which the the chef, the keep, and I had kind of spoken about how wonderful that would be to to be there and experience it and walk the course and be part of the team and, you know, still jog at your first five-star, but, you know, jump the 150s instead of the Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. And then when Zoe couldn't make it, I half of me was you know poor Zoe like she deserves to be here I gutted for her but then the other hand I was like well hang on a minute now I've got to step up and get something done that I'm not necessarily ready for right so we it it certainly didn't go the way we wanted it to go but I mean look the the positive is that she's okay and I'm okay so it could have gone a lot worse right Mm -hmm. to even that day like to be part of the, like I said, the team and the atmosphere and everything was such an incredible experience and something that I've dreamed about and worked for for so long. But honestly, knowing kind of what that level of the sport requires now it is 
what then makes you say, okay, this is where I need to go and this is what I need to do. And these are where my weaknesses are. And we have, you know, basically six months again until the opportunity comes up to jump on another team. So that gives me time to go back and fill in the holes and hope to come back stronger. Um, For me, it's a lot of the skill sets are no different to whether you're jumping 90 centimetres or a metre 60 in a five star nations Mm -hmm. cup. Like the the skill sets are the same, you know, you to be focused and ready, but still relax to know what the task at hand is that day to be able to go out and execute it, but still enjoy yourself. It's, I think it's a fine line that everybody struggles with. Mm -hmm. And it's something that, you know, really only you yourself can, can find the balance between, but having, having been up there and having doing it, having done it at that level is certainly now, okay, I, I need to, I need to get that fine line a little bit tighter almost, you know, it's one thing at a meter 45 or a meter 50, you know, you can make a few mistakes and you can have a few things happen and, you know, the talent of your horse can kind of cover it up for you sure. and you can pull a little harder or kick a little harder and get something done. But, but when it gets that bit bigger and, and, and that stage and those added pressures, unfortunately, there's no, you know, like th- there's no makeshift for that. There's no practice for that. There's, there's just exposure and just experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just got to hope that you're ready for it a little better the next time. Right. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's, it's certainly something that, that I think everybody struggles with a little bit to, to find that fine line. Uh, mm-hmm. Something that I wish I had done a little better that week was genuinely to enjoy the experience. You mm-hmm. know, I was so nervous for the whole week and excited absolutely but definitely you know the pressure's on now like we're here we've got to step up we've got to get it done like at the end of the day you can't control much more when you get to the show right like yeah you've you've done all the hard work at home you just enjoy the week now for what it Mm -hmm. is and that was something that I look back on the week and I I should have done better I I was like I said nervous and pressure and all the things I was feeling took away from you're at a five-star show on your first Australian team, you know, enjoy the experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but yeah. Yep, I, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like other people either don't talk a lot about or don't know enough about? Horsemanship. And yeah. without, like, I feel like that's such a click word at the moment that everyone wants to talk about, but I'm sorry, there's not enough people that know enough about it. Mm. Like, and it's down to the simple things, like take your horse for a hand walk, spend some time with it, you know, brush it yourself that you know where it's a little tender in its body or where things are changing, you know, like horsemanship is something that it's not in the ring it's outside the ring it's the time in the barn it's the time on the trails it's the time barebacking your horse to you know feel a better connection with them like it's and it's something that both my partner Nikki and I are incredibly passionate about and it's something that we've tried to base a lot of our a lot of our work and our business around because it is something that is absolutely a dying art in the industry you know there's there's a lot of younger riders now you know like the next generation of of McLean and Laura and and those type of of people that are that are able to buy 
you know, ready-made horses, but there's not a lot of people with the skill sets to develop those horses, you know, and that genuinely comes down to understanding how the horses work and what they need and what they need to improve and, and that type of thing. And that comes from spending time with them, you know, spending time with them, like I said, outside of the ring and, and even and even watching other people spend time with their horses and learning things that, oh, look how the horse reacted to that. And, mm-hmm. you know, that might not necessarily always be a good thing, but but it's certainly something. Still things to learn from. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Always. Always. Yeah. Yeah. I think that so that's a really that's, great point that's that's the biggest that's the biggest thing that I wish mm-hmm. I wish people spent a bit more time learning yeah. yeah definitely yeah that's a great point well Paige thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share your story and I just feel like you're so resilient as a rider and for your career and um through you know unfortunate stuff you've really been able to still push forward and and continue to find your love for the sport and and thrive so I, it's it's really cool to continue to watch your story and i wish you all the best thank you for having me on bethany all right that is all i have for you today thank you so much for tuning in if you liked what you heard please take a minute and write a review on itunes i would so appreciate it it helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests Thank you so much, and I will talk to you next week.